Hello, Phil Thompson here from StreamingChurch.tv and the Church Solutions Podcast. This is our company's 20th year anniversary of serving churches and ministries from around the world. From creating in-the-cloud church social and management tools and easy-to-use website templates to interactive streaming video platforms and mobile apps, our heart is to help churches use technology and reach people and further their mission. In the very near future, we're going to be introducing a brand new product, I really can't tell you what it is yet, but here's a hint. Over 100 million people have a device in their homes that our new product will work with. Stay tuned because we're going to officially announce it February 25th on the Church Solutions Podcast. And now on today's edition of the Church Solutions Podcast, we talk with media producer, consultant, and author Phil Cook on how to adapt your live streaming based on what we've learned during the pandemic. It's the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by StreamingChurch.tv. The Church Solutions Podcast is all about helping you and your church with technology and other encouraging ideas for ministry. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. And welcome, folks, to another edition of the Church Solutions Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Lacey. And I'm Phil Thompson. Good to be with you again, as usual. Steve, how are you doing today? Doing all right. All right. Good deal. We won't get into your health issues, but uh, you're still here with us, so we're happy about that. So our guest today is uh, the founder and the CEO of uh, Cook Media Group, and uh, we're, we're glad to have him here. He's, he's uh, produced media programming and over 60 countries. He's also produced many uh, Christian television programs. Uh, throughout the years. He's got a brand new book out called Maximizing Your Influence, How to Make Digital Media Work for Your Church, Your Ministry, and You. And uh, he's he's been around for a long time. He's an expert in these things. Welcome, Phil Cook. Thank you, guys. I'm thrilled to be here. This is going to be fun. Yeah, well, we're, we're glad to have you here. Thanks for uh, taking some time out to be on the Church Solutions podcast. So, so uh, Steve, is I usually ask really easy questions. As Steve here will ask you really hard ones. Okay. Uh, but I'll start off by saying <laughs> <laughs> you, you, uh, you wrote an article recently that caught my attention. It's called Back in the Church Building, Your yeah. Live Stream Service Still Matters. And then you talk a little bit about how uh, – uh, you know, because of the pandemic and everything, people had to quickly, many churches had to quickly get their act together and start doing streaming video. And, and I'll admit, full disclosure, this is kind of a self-serving podcast because we, we actually do streaming video. Uh, but we'd like to, we'd, we'd like to ask you a little bit about that article. And, uh, you say that, uh, I'm seeing far too many pastors relax and, uh, and assume the live stream service should be it should become a lower priority. That's because, you know, the, we're relaxing in some states, relaxing the standards and people are going in the buildings now. But you go on to say, but nothing could be further from the truth as far as relaxing the standards of, of streaming video. Uh, why? Why do you make that statement? Well, for a lot of reasons, actually, Phil. Um, you know, it's interesting. 
churches really stepped up back in March of 2020. They really stepped up when this lockdown happened and we couldn't assemble so much in most of the most of the world anymore on Sundays. In fact, it's kind of funny. I can look out my office right here in Burbank, California, where I live, right here in the heart of Los Angeles. And I can look across the valley and see Walt Disney Studios, Warner Brothers Studios, Universal Studios, Cartoon Network. And they've been virtual ghost towns for the last nine, 10 months. It's just interesting that Production has really shut down in this city for the last year, and yet churches stepped up, which means for the, the last year, churches have produced more media than Hollywood has. That's an interesting thing to think about, and because of that, I know pastors and their communication and media teams are exhausted. I mean, they've been working day and night, live streaming, doing all kind of short videos, all kind of events. And so I totally understand that pastors probably feel like, hey, now that things are loosening up, people are able to start coming back to church, even though it may be in some places limited, they can still come back. So we're going to maybe ease up on all this live streaming business. But the truth is, I think the last year has really shifted in the way people think about church dramatically. Um, I think, number one, I think a significant number of people aren't going to come back just because they can. A significant number of people will just be nervous about the virus, and they're going to take their time before they start assembling in, in big groups. So they're still going to be a vital link to your live stream. I also think that actually, you know, a significant number of people have gotten used to this, actually, Phil, and, and they're going to start cutting back, I think, one or two Sundays a month. They'll come to church. I don't think we're going to stop going to church, but I think we'll go to the physical church. But I think one or two Sundays a month, they'll probably decide to stay home and watch it on their live stream. So there's a lot of reasons I think this is not the time to let up that we need to really keep focusing on making that live stream work. So we had, we were in the middle of this back last March. It was kind of a tornado time for us. And so (laughs) churches were, Oh my gosh, I've got to, you know, I can't let people in the building. I've got to stream. And so they were, they were figuring it out very quickly. So there's, um, they're not really weren't previously skilled in that. Um, and so it's been a real challenge, um, coming from the kind of the professional video arena with Warner brothers down the street, what can the church do to, gain the skills quickly so they create, so they have a product that's um, worth tuning into. Well, that's a great question, Steve. Actually, it's funny that um, I, I think if there's anything good that's come out of this virus, it's to really shake pastors and make them realize, and church leaders, and make them understand that that live stream audience is a legitimate congregation. This, you know, there's so many pastors would tell me, you know, Phil, I don't mind live streaming my service, but that's not real ministry. Uh, Well, let me tell you, they changed their tune over the last year. Um, And many pastors would just hang a camera up in the balcony or put it way back on a pole in the back of the arena. They've realized that no, 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 this has to be taken seriously. We've been working with live streaming with our client churches for many, many years. And I'll tell you, we discovered that when you treat that live stream, audience intentionally, when you treat them like a legitimate uh, congregation, when you actually talk to them and welcome them in, they start feeling less like a live stream audience and more like a campus. It's interesting how loyal they can be. In fact, we had three churches that we worked with before the shutdown who were actually making as much as a third of their total financial income just from their live stream audience. In fact, last summer, a year, more than a year ago, I had a pastor call me uh, from the East Coast and tell me that 
that Sunday, his live stream audience gave more financially than his 6,000 member congregation. So you can see that if you activate that live stream audience, if you can engage with them and make them feel part of the service, suddenly they're really, really wake up and, and they want to be a part of, they want to support it and they want to be inspired. So number one, I think we have to realize we have to be intentional about engaging them and making them part of the service. I think other things you can do, it's interesting that one of the big, big things that drove me nuts about early live streaming, I've been watching 10, 15 live streams every Sunday for the last year, just to see how people are doing. And one of the things I saw early on was they're shooting everything really wide, really, really wide. I mean, it was really something they'd put a camera up in the back of the room or, you know, you could see a head to toe shot of the pastor. One, one, I saw the, you know, you see the piano over here, you see all the potted plants. I saw a couple used coffee cups on this side of the stage over here, but the truth is the kind of shots that viewers are seeing right now on this podcast, that's what your audience needs to be seeing when you preach or teach on Sunday morning. This close up is where the magic happens. It's so important that you know, your expressions are in your face. Your, the power and the emotions are all expressed through your face, through your eyes. So I think that understanding that you need to get in there close is a real critical, critical element. So it's not just setting up a camera wide enough to see everything. It's actually being able to move in there tight and get in there when you're getting emotional and when you're really seriously teaching, because that makes such a dramatic difference. Yeah. All right. Most churches. All right, I, did, I didn't mean to rant. I get off on some of these topics no, and I start to rant. Great. I apologize. <laughs> that is great. No, that, that's, that's good information. Uh, have you had your coffee today? Phil? I have. I'm, I'm lit. Okay. Yeah, we think so. Uh, by the way, do you know Rick Warren by any chance? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good friend of mine. No, actually, he's not. I met him one time 25 years ago. Rick's uh, fantastic. Yeah, but I really like what he's doing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm sorry. I cut Steve off. Go ahead, Steve. Well, I was just, you know, part of the challenge why we have so many wide shots, right? Is because the church facility is set up with cameras and sound booths all the way in the back, right? Yeah. So you've got to either really, you know, I thought it was really um, kind of eye-opening for me when there was a, a PTZ camera at the, um, at the pastor's feet. It mm-hmm. was just kind of you know, right there at, at his foot looking up at him. And it was really, you know, it just kind of adds credence to what you're talking about yeah. having these tight shots. And um, so I, yeah, I think a lot of the churches though, are they're just like, Oh, I'm moving from doing church to streaming church. So that means I stick a camera up. And so it's been, yeah, you know, it's been some one of the challenges. So you also mentioned the engagement piece of that. Yeah. So how do I take, how do I move from just live streaming to engagement online? Well, it's interesting. A lot of people are listening to this and watching, and and these are church leaders, communication directors, pastors who some have multiple cameras, some have a single camera, some are probably shooting their services on an iPhone, who knows? And so it's hard to give a blanket recommendation for everybody. But this is something that we do with our clients quite a bit. And uh, for instance, one of our churches that we work with during the praise and worship, the pastor will walk off to the side of the stadium or side of the stage, look at a camera and welcome the live stream audience to the program. You know, hey, I'm Pastor Phil and I'm going to be preaching today on forgiveness and call a friend, tell him to watch because this live stream is going to be incredibly important for your life. And they immediately welcome the live stream. And then they can do things throughout the program between the worship service and the sermon, different segments of the program, you have the opportunity to engage that 
that live stream audience. Even I'm a big believer that as a pastor, you need to look directly in that camera. I mean, even if you have a congregation in front of you, they don't realize what you're doing. They just think you're looking out there at the audience. But if you look directly at the camera, that's one more thing that helps engage that audience. The other thing I would think I would encourage people to do is use graphics, you know, text graphics on the screen. There's interesting. There's an interesting number of studies that indicate when you use graphics on a screen, people remember three times as much. And people are used to graphics. I mean, we see them all the time at football games because you ought to, they always have the score up there. They always have statistics and what quarter they're in. We see them in the news. You know, the news screen is just full of graphics these days. So graphics don't turn off people. In fact, they really make a difference. So I put scripture. I recommend pastors put scripture graphics on the screen, key sermon points. A lot of these people are using ProPresenter in their church to do that on the iMag screens. I say do it on your live stream as well. Make sure I mean, and here's the thing. Nobody sits at home on a live stream, or I should say very few, sadly, sit at home with their Bible open. So the more scriptures we can put up there, the more sermon notes we can put up there, the bigger difference it'll make for that audience. So just think of anything you can do that'll make that audience feel almost as if they're sitting there. One of the things I think, Steve, that's important to remember is that live stream audience is a hostile audience. They have so many distractions. They're not, they're not trapped in a pew where they can't get up and leave in the middle of a message. They're sitting at home. They're having breakfast. They're getting dressed. They got kids running around screaming. They got, I got direct TV. So I've got 500 more channels to choose if I want to. So there's a lot of reasons they have other things to do than watch your live stream. So we need just, we need to do everything we can to really focus that live stream congregation and encourage them and inspire them to watch and stay tuned. Otherwise it's just too easy to lose them. Yeah. Uh, a friend of ours, Kenny Jong, uh, has said this and it's always stuck with me when it comes to streaming video it goes, you guys have got to stop doing this cut and paste mentality. Yeah. Uh, it's different. Streaming video is different. So stop doing cut and paste and, Eventually, I'll just uh, take that quote and make it my own. And but but I think it, there's a lot of truth to that, right? Because it's so easy to just say, "I oh, just throw a camera up there and and just do a couple minimal things." But what you're saying is uh, we're missing out yeah. on a great opportunity when we just put a minimal effort into it. That is so true. And, and you know what? It's not a pastor's fault. The truth is I've got a PhD in theology. So I've been through a whole seminary program and they don't teach you in seminary about communication or media. They teach you about, you know, church history and theology and all this stuff and doctrine and things like that. So pastors really don't understand how to connect with an audience in the digital world we live in today. That's one of the reasons I wrote my book that you mentioned, um, ma Maximize Your Influence, because pastors just need some kind of a reference book to understand, even when it comes to speaking to a digital generation, it's different than it used to be. So I really am an advocate for church communication people, church media people. This is your moment to stand up. This is your moment to really feed the pastor ideas about how we can get in close, how we can establish a better connection with that live stream, what we can do to make them more engaged with the service, with the message, things like that. This is really sometime that, you know, so many times the church communications or media person, all they think about is the techie stuff. And the techie stuff is important, but also it's important to ask why and understand why we do what we're doing. So this is a chance if you're watching and your communications or a media person, I encourage you step up, talk to the pastor, be there to help him really focus on what, it, what he needs to do to connect with that audience. Yeah, very good. Very good stuff. Yeah. Uh, 
I was, uh, I used to work with Steve's church, uh, and I was the church online guy there. And one of the things that we did, which I thought was really good, and that is, uh, we would have a staff meeting and not just staff, but volunteers before the actual service. And we would meet and talk about the online, not only the actual service, but what was going to happen online as well. And I think we're, yes. uh, again, sometimes where we miss the boat is we don't equip our volunteers as well to be ready with uh, different things. Uh, you know, what, what's the pastor going to talk about? How can the volunteers who man the chat and, and uh, we're assuming that people understand that you can actually have interactive chat with your video. A lot of people don't. I don't know yes. where you're at on that, but I, we're kind of big on this. And, and much to Steve Lacey's credit here, uh, interactive chat is something he's pushed from the very beginning. And uh, it's funny because a lot of people didn't use it. Yeah, I don't know if I would say a lot, but a good number of, of our customers like, well, we don't know if we want the live chat. We just want to do video. But then when the pandemic hit, it was funny because I had a lot of people saying, uh, do you guys have live chat? Well, yes, we've always had live chat the last 12 years. Yeah. Some of them are beginning to understand there is there is interaction that's very important. And and in getting back to what I was, I'm getting off True. on a rabbit trail here. But but if you can equip your volunteers to be ready when they're hosting, when they're when they're when they're a chat host, uh, knowing what the what the what the service is going to be all about, how they can help. Uh, bring people in who are not only watching video, but also have an opportunity to interact with people during the live chat. I think that's so important. Absolutely. You know, one of my great frustrations is that church leaders don't, um, they, they don't really have enough faith in their volunteers. I, I, just over the years working with so many churches like we have, I can tell you that some of the largest, most effective churches in America have a massive volunteer team who are doing remarkable things. I mean, you look at Lakewood Church in Houston, Joel Osteen's church, which is probably the largest church building in America. It's probably the number of people you can get in there. Um, and he does a national television broadcast. Half of his media crew are all volunteers. It's just remarkable how many volunteers he has. They're on camera. They're switching shows. They're doing all kinds of things. And many other big churches, Life Church in Oklahoma City, Hillsong, other churches have a huge volunteer staff. So I just think we can get, you know, t volunteers want to help. They have a great heart. We just have to take the time and be willing to spend that mentoring time, teaching them, working with them, showing it how it's done. In fact, I'll tell you a funny thing, Phil. I've worked at a number of churches over the years where we trained people who had never been camera operators before who are now professional camera operators in their city. So it's just interesting. They got so good. They started freelancing out there in the marketplace and shooting sports and all kinds of other things. So you'd be amazed at what volunteers are capable of. So I just encourage churches all the time, take advantage of them. That is a blessing you can't believe. It does take a little work up front to bring them up to speed. But once you've done that, you can let them soar. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned about, um, you know, this, this is a new medium for a lot of people and adapting how you do church to that new medium. I mean, one of the things I, that Phil Thompson here, we take credit with is, when we got into our announcements section at our church, we shifted for the online viewers. It really didn't make sense to have, you know, come over here to this info center to pick this thing up yeah. or do that. We did breakaways and we started doing this again to address just the online crowd. So it was Great. just a separate thing. So it's one of the things that, you know, as we get into this new era where streaming videos, you know, a, a major part of the, the worship service, some of the things that churches can do are there 
other things along yes. those lines? Great but, question. And I love the word you, you used, adapt. I'm a big believer in adaptation. I mean, I live here in Hollywood, work in Hollywood. And what we do, you know, when a producer like me buys a book to make into a movie, we don't shoot the book. It would be a 99-hour movie. We have to adapt that book into a form that would work in a screenplay on a, in a movie theater. Well, let me tell you something. When you do a live stream of your service, you have to, just like you say, you have to adapt what works in the, in the sanctuary into what will work online. And so announcements are a great opportunity to break away. Uh, taking the offering is another thing. There's nothing more boring for a live stream audience to do than watch a church take up the offering. How horrible is that? So I always recommend, let's do a video. Let's talk to them about how they can give through Vin, Venmo or other apps, through online sources. There's many platforms and there's many ways for them to give. Let's talk about it. Maybe we'll have a little fun with it in the process. Anything we can do like that, that takes it away from the sense that I'm filming an event to we're creating something just for this audience is really, really the key. Adapt, adapt, adapt. Everything we do, we need to think about. In fact, one of the things I recommend, this is kind of funny, we've discovered an enormous number of people will tune in early just to make sure they're at the right place, they're at the right right website for the, for the actual live stream. So, with that many people coming in 10, 15 minutes early just to check and make sure they're in the right place, I say, let's create some pre-show programming for them. You know, some pre-worship programming, Mm -hmm. have a host, maybe a young couple in the congregation, have them talking about prayer requests or making announcements, or they can talk a little bit about the capital campaign or what's going on in the life of the church. Show a testimony or two. There's so many things you can do even before the service starts. And you'd be amazed at the number of people that are watching early. So little things like that, that when you understand, you know, their power, you can adapt to, and it makes a huge, huge difference. So the, the AV volunteer or the guy that's, that's been in that role, you know, pre COVID their yeah. stock price has gone up dramatically. Right. So <laughs> yeah. I guess number one is you'd want to make sure the pastor recognizes that. And number two, they're, they're, most of them are probably ill-equipped for this phase change. You know, they've been yeah. focusing on getting pro presenter working right in the audience and mixing sound. And, and so this, this is a whole new arena. Is there um, resources out there or people to learn from or, yeah. uh, you know, w- w- what can the AV, how can you send the eight year AV guy off to school to help your ministry? You know, it's funny. There is, uh, I've spent years trying to work with Christian universities because so many of them in their film departments or their media departments want to train young people to come to Hollywood where they have about a zero, 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 you know, point zero, zero, one chance of succeeding. And I love it when Christians come to Hollywood and want to make films. However, there are a massive number of churches that need communication and media directors right now. I could probably find jobs for 10 people right now if they wanted them. Um, It's such a critical thing. And so I know churches right now that are making feature films. I know churches that are doing remarkable live stream efforts and doing other projects. Some churches I've talked to in Europe who are starting a daily live stream, much like Catholic mass. You know, Catholic churches have historically done a daily mass every day in the morning, just Mm -hmm. for a short time. A lot of Protestant churches in Europe are experimenting with doing a live stream every morning. I know one church here in America, 
um, in, in Florida does a daily morning devotional period. They do about a 30 minute Facebook group and he's got thousands of people that are following him on that now. So I think if we could just be more creative and innovative, we're still at the tip of the iceberg. There, there's so many more possibilities out there. We just have to really take it seriously. And I, as far as resources are concerned, you know, my blog at philcook.com, I don't want to be self-serving here, but the truth is I write about this stuff all the time. I even wrote a blog post a year or two ago about the difference between a techie person and a real media communication producer. What, which, what do you need? At what level does your church need to make that transition? Because I do believe there's producers up here who understand the vision and the purpose and the why, but there's techie guys who know how to plug it all in and make it work, but they don't really get the, the whole big vision. And pastors are really want to talk. They want to talk to someone who understands the why, the how, all that kind of thing. So I really encourage media people. This is a great moment for you, not just to think about cameras, think about, you know, all kind of digital stuff. This is the time to think about why we do it and how we can do it more effectively and start looking at churches who are doing a, a really great job, start seeing what they're doing and how we can adapt it to our church. And you'll see what your effectiveness really go up. So um, you mentioned other churches that are doing it well. Are there, do you have any that you can reference and, and what are they doing that is unique and yeah, there's some churches doing amazing things. Uh, I'll tell you something kind of funny, interesting, that we work with four churches um, that during the pandemic, we helped them tweak their live stream to a level that it was becoming so effective that they decided to do an edited version of that and go on local broadcast television. And so in four towns, four, it's four medium-sized markets in America, they're go they've gone on local TV. And for a long time, we've worked with a number of larger churches that have gone on local TV primarily to show the community what's going on at this church, let them, you know, have a glimpse, a glimpse of their services without actually, you know, having to come and visit, let them see. And it's been very successful in driving people to the church. So we're seeing real spikes in visitation and membership go up because people got to see it on TV first. So, and, and keep in mind that as awesome as a live stream is, and I think it's absolutely critical, people have to be intentional about finding it. They have to go to your website. They have to go to YouTube. They have to go to Facebook or wherever. But on television, it's really interesting the, the, the thousands and thousands of people that just stumble on your service by flicking the channels. So I, it's just been interesting to me to see the number of churches that are visionary enough to not just have a great live stream, but to go on local television. We've been really, really thrilled helping churches do that lately. So I think that's a really important thing. The other thing too, is we've discovered, and I'd be curious about, about your guys' experience, but sometimes, you know, you, you can be on, we, you get a lot of viewers on YouTube, you get a lot of viewers on Facebook, but, but when you have a platform on your church website, in our experience, we've discovered people tend to engage longer. So you may have more people watching you on YouTube or Facebook, but they tend to engage longer when you're looking at a platform on a church's website. I don't really have know the answer. You two may know better than me, but it is an interesting phenomenon that I'm seeing out right. there. And going back to your comment about chat rooms, one of the secrets I've discovered that's really powerful is, you know, you want to have a pastor or a leader in the chat room engaging with people. But sometimes if they're new viewers, if they're maybe a little bit hostile, if they're, you know, skeptical, they don't engage with the pastor very well. So I also put a couple trusted church members in there just mm -hmm. You know, they're not designated as an official church person. They're just another viewer in the chat room. And so when a person asks a question, 
I often have them respond. And so that viewer feels like, oh, it's another person that's watching respond. And they often, there's a trust factor there that they wouldn't get if the pastor was responding. So it's just an interesting dynamic to see how people respond online and what you can do to help them engage a little more effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Another, Another trick along those lines is just have some people in the chat room that are part of your congregation that are just yeah. going to jump in and chat to just get the conversation going. True. You know, they're, so it's kind of like, you know, if you have a public speaking is, you know, raise your hand and ask a, you know, a softball question for the speaker. It just gets the whole room kind of moving. It does. So, yeah, and I, you know, the flip side of that, Steve is I don't hesitate to block somebody if they're a jerk. You know, if you get somebody in your chat room that's just being, a, if they're using profanity, if they're incredibly critical, if they're obviously not contributing, you know what, don't feel, you know, that you have to put up with it. I, I just am an advocate that if they're being a total jerk, block them and move on because we just don't have time for that because that could damage the perception of so many other people in that chat room just by their ugly comments. Mm-hmm. So I would just, I encourage people, don't, don't hesitate to block people if you feel like you need to. Yeah, absolutely. So, Go ahead, Steve. Um, one more question here. So <laughs> over the decades, centuries here, we've done church where you prepare for Sunday morning, people gather, you sing some songs, you deliver a message, and, and then you repeat for the next weekend and the next weekend. And you kind of talked about some churches doing some innovative things where they're doing like midweek or you know, midweek yes. um, services. What do you think the landscape of the church is going to look like as we evolve here? over the next decade or so is it, are we going to be the same recipe? Is it, is the model going to be up, go to church on Sunday at nine o'clock with my congregation and my people, or is it going to look something different? And and what does that something different might look like? That's a great question. And honestly, I hope the model breaks. Um, I wrote a book a few years ago called the way back, how Christians blew our credibility and how we get it back. And one of the, the things I've discussed in the book is, you know, Christianity is continually being moved to the margins of society. We're being forgotten about. We're being made fun of out there. And there's a lot of reasons for that that I outline in the book. But one of the things people rarely argue with is when we're making a difference in the lives of people. So for instance, there's a church in Tulsa I just read about the other day who's become a vaccine site for COVID. They've opened up their church. They've opened up their parking lot and they're set up in the city of Tulsa to be a vac- a major vaccine site in that city. I know other churches like the Dream Center, Matt Barnett's church here in LA that, that has been 24-7 giving out food, helping families. Uh, I just came from visiting a church in Alabama yesterday that was has a massive um, adult rehabilitation center for drugs, a recovery center for men and women from alcohol and drugs. So when we start engaging in those areas as a church, I'll tell you, it's very hard to criticize. And we've been, we've had so much criticism in the last year about are we essential or not? You know, are churches essential? Mm-hmm. And of course, we think we are, but I don't think the world thinks we're essential if all we do is go sing some songs and hear a little teaching. That that's something we could do online. And I know fellowship is important, so don't no don't get riled up. However, I just think one of the things I'm seeing out there through this pandemic is churches realize if we're going to be considered essential and we're going to make a real impact out there, we've got to get out in the street and make a difference in people's lives. So I think live streaming is helping them do that. I'm even talking to some churches 
that are maybe not even going to have four, four church services a month. They're maybe cutting back from weekly church. And instead, they're going to do some more intensive live streaming during the week, maybe an intensive live stream on weekends and only have church, you know, less than they normally would or we have in the past. So people are completely rethinking the model of church. And I think it's really interesting. And I, I know people get upset because they're used to, you know, normal church the way it is. And I, I understand that. However, I just really believe we have the opportunity, just like Martin Luther did during the in the 1500s during the Protestant Reformation. I think we may have the opportunity with digital media to rethink what church really is and how we can engage with the secular culture around us. And I'm I'm kind of excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. This is very good, very good. I, there's a church in Tucson, Phil, that's doing that. They 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 meet three three Sundays and the fourth Sunday they go off and and they do uh, you know social social justice things. And I, I you know at first I thought hmm, that's interesting, but but uh, now I'm really beginning to believe more and more like they've got it. <laughs> they've got yeah, they're catching it. You know, and then we're all <laughs> well. Behind. You know, we have this we have this interesting model that you know we have to go to church, we have to pay. You know, the pastor's paid, staff is paid. There's just so many things that it's very hard to justify in the new Testament. I know there are scriptures about, you know, a workman's worth his wages and things like that. But I think we've kind of created a model that I'm not, I may, you know, be branded as a heretic here, but I think we've kind of created a model that the culture's just ignoring whether it works or not. I, well, I don't know. It's not working. Obviously if, if, if we're here to engage the culture, it's not working very well. So I just think, um, I would just love to see some creative, godly thinkers figure out what we're going to, how we're going to emerge from this and what new ideas we could have uh, so that church could really re-engage this culture again. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're out of time. Sadly, we're out of time. Phil Cook has been our guest. Uh, the book is Maximizing Your Influence, How to Make Digital Media Work for Your Church, Your Ministry, and You. And you can always go to his website. It's, uh, I, I didn't wrote it, write it down here, but I believe it's, it's Phil PhilCook.com. Yeah, I'm Cook with an E, by the way, yeah, PhilCook.com, yeah. and go there, yeah. and I'm writing about this stuff all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Phil, we'd love to have you on again sometime if we didn't, if we didn't scare you off. No, I'd love to. Those were actually fun. Great questions, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. We love doing this, and uh, we, we love interviewing people. And you're awesome. So thank, well, thank you, you again so much for your time. Uh, Steve Lacey, thank you for your input. Great to be here. And most of all, thank you for listening. Those of you listening and watching to the Church Solutions Podcast. I'm Phil Thompson. Take care. We'll catch you again next time.